Are you man enough to speak up? Welcome to Love Life, featuring your host, Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. Boys and men are at huge risk in our society. Every day, 400 Australian men are thinking about taking their own lives. Suicide is the number one killer of boys and men aged between 15 and 44, with 2,000 men suiciding each year. That's every eight minutes a suicide attempt is made. A survey conducted in the US of those who attempted suicide and survived by jumping from high places, reported that the vast majority had a change of heart during their descent. This is heartbreaking. Suicide is a permanent solution to what normally is a temporary problem. Recently, radio personality Gus Warland, after losing a close friend to suicide, produced a brilliant three-part series called Man Up. This is his search to find out why we're losing so many men to suicide and what can be done to help prevent these tragedies. If you have yet to see this show, I highly encourage you to. I've put the link up in the show notes. Now, Gus's advice is to help men to speak up when they're having strong feelings or they're in trouble. Help-seeking behaviour or showing emotion is considered in general by many men to be perceived by others as weak, vulnerable, pathetic wussy and loser behavior and they've a deep deep fear of being judged for this that men are to be strong manly fearless and show no emotions yet an important recent survey done by beyond blue found the opposite that men actually speak very highly of other men who speak up seeking help they actually are considered courageous bold and brave all very traditional manly traits. So this is really good news in moving forward to help save our men. Statistics are showing that if somebody speaks up to another person, they're more likely to seek professional help. Therefore, I believe it's our job to get everybody talking, being comfortable with conversations about anxiety and depression, particularly in men, helping our men to feel safe and not judged to speak up. Rebecca Brown wrote a great article called What is the Divine Masculine? where she lists three behaviour columns. One is the Divine Masculine, the next the Patriarchal Masculine, and the last column, the Extreme Patriarchal Masculine or Shadow Side. An example of this is somebody who's living in Divine Masculine energy is emotionally intelligent and expressive, open, flexible, heart-centred, holds his light as a man, always consults the feminine, a quality in unity is important, accepts all others' truths. Now, somebody who's living in patriarchal masculine would suppress their emotions, has to prove he's a man, doesn't want to be seen as weak, blocks vulnerability, and somebody who's in shadow side would be emotionally explosive, violent, a power enforcer, and destroys the feminine. I'll put a link up to Rebecca Brown's article in the show notes where she's also got a full list of all of the qualities. Our shadow side and being stuck in patriarchal masculine for both men and women is where, well, for all of us, our healing really is most effective. Men who are at risk 
are stuck in the patriarchal masculine. So how best can we guide, support, love and nurture men to move towards the divine masculine? What are the practical, everyday, real tools we can use to help make the change needed? These are not men who are going to jump on board easily into self-development. And yet, these are often the men in our lives we love, be it family members, friends, co-workers and neighbours. I feel it's important we look to the patriarchal masculine and the shadow side to be able to identify how best to help support men to make change. And the start of the healing starts within us, as the supporters of those we love, allowing acceptance for what is. Today I want to share with you somebody who's worked through the masculine shadow side to now be operating from the divine masculine. He's a man who I consider to be a role model of my understanding of the new human, the new male, the one who has balanced both his masculine and feminine energies within and works side by side with the feminine. And while he very likely would never describe himself this way, this is what I see in him and his very way of being. Adam is remaining anonymous. He works in the mines, an area of our community that has one of the highest rates of suicide. He's a bloke's bloke, who secretly I think many men have a mad crush on, and he's highly respected in his workplace. And yet, his emotional intelligence is clearly visible. He's not afraid to show people his emotions, and his actions are not that of the typical Aussie bloke. I start by asking Adam, where did this unique blend of energies come from? That is a roller coaster ride. That is learning from experience through ups and downs and getting to a point where a knowledge and understanding that circumstances and things that occur in an individual's life are not a product of who they are. They are just moments and particles in time that we use as learning opportunities to grow and move forward. It's a scenario that probably was instilled in me in a young age, though as young men do, as young people do, have outside influences that really weigh heavily on them as they grow up and the ability to find one's feet and and find their place in the family unit, the society unit, the community unit, the world as a whole, and then really adapting and melding to those situations. So I, I believe that basis is something that has been a roller coaster ride and forever is a roller coaster ride and it's about moving through those moments without judgment but using each moment as a learning experience. Men's health in Australia, well actually in the Western world, is really at crisis point in my opinion and, and the statistics are horrendous of, you know, we're losing so many men to suicide. We've got statistics off the charts of, of anxiety, of depression. And it really is the silent killer, isn't it? Because men are not speaking up about this, are they? No, for sure. I think there has been a significant shift in 
the conversation that has taken place, as, as you say, in Western society. The that shift is a little bit different for men. For for so long now, groups, uh, minority groups, have been oppressed in um, in different ways, and the male dominant, as you were talking about, the alpha male dominant society is shifting. And those vulnerabilities that have been pushed down over centuries and centuries um, that have led the the male population to a place where they now believe in modern society that they are the breadwinner in the family, they need to be the, the strong... Um, unemotional, strong force that is holding and binding everything together leaves those vulnerabilities open in a way that is dangerous to each individual because they're open in such a way because they've been pushed down for generation upon generation. And I, I do see a shift. The and what I see with my work, which is in a male-dominated environment, which is mining, that there are conversations taking place within the groups, even though men do it currently in a different way. It's There's the jovial side of it, and literally, you know, they take, everybody takes the piss out of everybody else in, in how they go about it, but at least it's not pushed under the table anymore in the way that it used to be, that it is seen more so as a sign of vulnerability. Individuals that I've spoken about that are going through certain things at work, um, I believe out of our group of 12, there's two young gentlemen that haven't been married yet, and out of the rest, there's only th- everybody else has been married, and there's only three marriages still going. And uh, individuals see that circumstance within themselves as a as a failure that they haven't been able to succeed in the in the one generational thing that has been set out for them and it's it's a it's a challenge but that conversation is now it's laid out it's open it's it's there for us to evolve and grow as as men so is this where you know the deep sense of shame that men feel I think women, to generalise dreadfully, women feel guilt, men feel shame. The shame of failure, of perceived failure within a marriage. So where that was once not spoken of, is that now spoken of like at the lunch table? It it is a much more open conversation. There are still um, certain individuals and, and people, how they deal with different circumstances. I think what I see and what I feel in those circumstances are that individuals are much more willing to have that open conversation as others, other people within our group or within the community or circle are having that, that conversation as well. It is, it's a, it's a more common, common topic to talk about. Um, For instance, there was a situation at work, where I had actually forgotten that uh, a gentleman had uh, had a medical and to to go to, and it was around the Christmas period, um, and it was eight thirty in the morning, and he hadn't rocked up for start up, and I actually was that concerned that I called the camp to ma- go and check the individual's room because we were literally concerned as a group 
um, that the individual may have done himself harm. Uh, so those topics of conversation are becoming freer, even though, as I've mentioned before, the generational void that we still have to make up for and that is ongoing battle um, continues. I love that you're self-empowered enough to be able to go, you know what, I'm concerned about this guy. I'm going to go and check on him without that fear of, oh, well, what will he think if he's fine? I'm going to look stupid or whatever internal negative dialogue can go on in somebody's head. And I feel that, you know, many of our listeners are the kind of people that can be bold enough to step up and and be brave and go and check on that person, make the phone call, drive to their home, go to the office next door, or in your case where your uh, the people you work with are very isolated, you know, go and get somebody to check on them in their room. Do you feel there's a bit of a stigma around everyday blokes going to check on another bloke? Uh, after that circumstance, and it followed on with another individual who's going through a, a marriage split right now as well. Um, yes, there were there is jokes and uh, laughter and. And as I as I said before, taking the piss out of individuals with certain circumstances. Um, but the situation is, we highlighted the fact in that that room that there are there's a, an individual, a, a person within our group that is struggling, and that they may need some contact. And and over the next period in time, um, there were several people that made contact with that individual. I think what happens is unfortunately. And this is society as a, as a whole. We label things, we label conditions, we label circumstances, individuals, um, and with that label comes a pre preconceived ideas about what may or may not eventuate with 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 those labels or what that entails. And if we can start dealing with circumstances as moments, as I was reflecting upon before, as just moments in time, whether they be good, bad or indifferent, that each moment will pass and we will move through and we we strip down situations to the, the barest to the barest essentials and, and really deal with them as they are there, then the stigma associated with people asking, are you okay, or, or, or following up, specifically men uh, in this circumstance, it really does offer an opportunity to move forward as a collective group. Mm. I often feel, too, that when you want to start creating a, a space, I call it a sacred space, but when you want to start creating a space for another to be able to share their vulnerability it's often easier or to help create that space is by sharing your own vulnerability first. So it's like, okay, well, you've got one on me. So now, you know, feel free to share with me your stuff. Do you find that's a tactic that works well with men? I think recognising the fact that no two situations are the same is the most important. Acknowledging that you empathise with a circumstance but you have no concept of how that individual would be feeling is super important from my perspective. The Because men generally from past experiences internalise their emotions 
and their life circumstances that they're finding challenging um, very well. It's an actual art form. It is an art form. It's something. How men do it. I get a bit jealous of that sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I look. It's uh, and it's something that you know I, I've had to learn to be able to express myself in a way that you know potentially I, I never thought was possible, and that really has only jumped forward for me in the last uh, eight to ten years. But I, I I really think that acknowledging the fact that you have little understanding of how that individual may be feeling at this point in time, that it but that it is okay to feel whatever they are feeling, to acknowledge that fact, to embrace the, the love, the hurt, the pain, the lust, whatever it is at that point in time, to, to really feel what you're feeling and, and move from that point forward. So it's really watching that we're not making assumptions when we're wanting to be of support to another and leaving all possibility of judgment or preconceived ideas at the door. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, we've seen fantastic shifts in the world and the community and society as a whole with uh, same-sex attracted people. Uh, you know, only back in the 1970s it, it was actually seen as a disease on the DSM-4 as... Um, to be same-sex attracted. Now, I believe what I see in the community is the acceptance of diversity and the diversity of emotion and how men, are, we, we are not pigeonholed into the space that we have over generations, and I, and I believe that is the way forward. I want to ask, Adam, about the most important thing you think you can do when you witness somebody that is in distress that, and however that looks, what is it that you do in that moment? It's a, it's a very, very individualistic question and it, and it really does revolve around whatever that situation may be. Um, I'm going to give an example then. I'm going to interrupt and give an example because your beautiful wife shared with me a story that brought me to tears and I want our listeners to hear this. So please correct me if I have this story slightly wrong. I understand that one day you were waiting for a worker to a part of your team to turn up for work and they didn't turn up and you were concerned so you went searching for them. And I believe you found him curled up in a ball in tears. And I was told that in that moment, you just went up to him. Now, I've got to share with you, Adam's six foot four and a really big, big guy, fit and strong. You wrapped your whole body around this guy and you just kept saying to him, I love you. I love you. I love you. Is that true? Well, it's as close enough to true as we we can share on uh, on this podcast. So, yeah, that that's absolutely right. Um, this individual is absolutely distressed for with a marriage breakup, and was embarrassed to be showing his emotions, to be seen in a vulnerable state, and and basically 
Yeah, exactly as you described. It was a circumstance where I just felt at that point in time that person needed to know that it's okay, that he was still loved within the group. And it, it is okay to feel and it is okay to show and and just let it out because it's not for, for that individual at that point in time, it just... It was a build-up of years and years and years of untapped emotional charge that hadn't been allowed to bubble and froth to the surface. In the telling of that story, I've got tears again because I find this so unique and I feel that the world, each individual person, most of us do not hear the words, I love you or you matter, or I care deeply for you. You know, those really deep connective words are just not spoken enough, particularly in, to generalise, particularly within the male arena. And I just cannot imagine, well, actually I can imagine, which is where my tears are coming from, is to be on the receiving end of that. I want to move into how women can support men to not get to this point, how women can help men to heal their pains, their frustrations, their the old-fashioned, antiquated role model of what a man is, how women can support their men to be the divine man, to be that man that is complete and full of love for self. How can women help men to start to really nurture and love themselves? It's a very, very difficult question to answer. Um, I can once again only speak from personal experience and my lovely wife, as you referred to before, beautiful wife, is open and non-judgmental. And I think that judgment is stripped when those labels are also stripped. The, the support mechanism to be there in an open dialogue to allow their partners, men that they um, are friends with, to have to, to allow open on conversations and to actually be able to call them on what they think is bullshit. I think that's yeah, super good. important. That, that's super important that recognising that these emotions aren't specifically denoted to the Y or X chromosome, that um, emotions and the way people feel, even though each circumstance is different, that when a woman feels that it is a, a bullshit scenario, that she actually calls her partner on that. And I think that's important. I do too because I know I personally love it when my family or friends call me on my stuff. They are my teachers, my signposts, my mirrors, and I do really enjoy having people that I've empowered to feel safe to call me on my stuff because I can be pretty strong and put up a good argument of a victim story at the best of times. So it is. I'm always very grateful when people are going, you know what, that's actually your stuff and you need to deal with it. And I think that's very empowering. 
One of the things that uh, I find interesting, there's been some great statistics around, I think Beyond Blue did the survey and they got some really astounding statistics that if somebody talks to a friend or an acquaintance or anybody at all about the pain that they are in or the emotions that they are experiencing or whatever is going on for them, they are much more likely to seek professional help from that point forward. And I feel like the stories that you're sharing today and we're talking about, those statistics go hand in hand to really encourage people to open up the dialogue. It clearly seems to be what's missing and what can so easily be something that each of us can absolutely do. At what point do you think, though, it's none of your business? You know, is it is it none of your business or are we going into warrior person wanting to save the day? The point where it's none of your business is when the individual tells you that. And, and it's about moving from the egocentric space. It's not about helping a person because you can't do that. Well, I can't do that. No, I think you're quite right. It, it has to come from within. Absolutely. I, I, I can't help an individual, but I can listen and I can not even offer advice. I can offer guidance from my own experience and what worked for me, putting people or or offering my experiences as a potential mirrored pathway that they may choose to undertake. I, I honestly believe that this education process of emotional intelligence is something that we really need to focus on from a younger age. Emotional intelligence, I believe, is would be a fantastic school education topic. Um, it is such a broad, broad topic, but to be able to put those foundations in for people to, and next generation and generations moving forward, to have an understanding and a unilateral approach to being able to feel, express and, and, and show because we all feel we not we don't all express and we don't all show those emotions but to be able to have that base knowledge of of that would be a, a fantastic stepping stone for the future self respect will then lead to respect for others and each individual circumstance unfortunately where we've come and what we see around the world every we are always looking to point the finger of blame somewhere, whether that be a marriage that um, is not continuing, whether that be a job that a person is stuck in and feels as if they are consumed or drowning in that position, whether it be an education that something has happened in the past and, and and things haven't worked out to the level that a man or or a woman, for that case, wants to. We continuously, as a as a group of people, as humanity, we we are looking to point the finger of blame. And I believe that we need to remove that. We need to go back to understand. It's an understanding without 
portioning blame. My father hit me too much. My mum didn't cuddle me too much um, enough. Uh, Removing the pointing of the fingers at a or trying to pinpoint an origin of blame at a particular reason is a wonderful way to step forward. And we just look for those opportunities as stepping stones of knowledge. Do you feel the way to do that is through finding the gifts in every opportunity, that whether it's the self-awareness, the self-acceptance, the, the so changing it from the victim story to a victor story of, I don't know, if we use the my father hit me too much as a child, it would be, you know, um, I am the person I am today because of the experiences I've had. I would change nothing because I am proud or I'm happy or I love or I accept the person that I am today? <clears throat> in a roundabout sort of way, I still believe that they are just moments in time, that the events of the past do not, they have a portion and create who you are at, at this very moment. But if you as an individual or as I as an individual strip bare the moment that is now and are just presence in each and every moment, then you are consciously aware in that situation of everything that's going on. You are not bringing in prejudices of the past or bias of what may be a, you believe to be a preconceived outcome. To be present in each and every moment and enjoy. It's not even about doing your best in that circumstance. Just enjoy the moment that you are currently in. Then I, I believe we will move forward, and I will move forward as an individual if I do that over and over again. Well, you are very good at doing that. I, I am <coughs> applaud you with how, in the now moment, you consistently appear to be. So it's really getting rid of getting rid of the story and just being present. I am here. I am present. And it sounds to me like that beautiful, I'm going to say whether it's a gift or it's a very well-learnt way of being, but the way that you are that in those moments when you're connecting with men in their now moment enables you to really know what it is that that person needs in that individual moment because you are divinely connected would that be fair to say? Uh, yeah, I believe so. And it, it's about taking out the egocentric behaviours. It's learning. We have a wonderful little quote hanging in our toilet. It's actually not being afraid of your dark places. It's actually learning to, to love yourself in those places too. Because we all have dark places or dark moments or things that have happened um, that we're not overly proud of, that we are not... Um, that weren't our greatest choices, that weren't my greatest choices. And it's learning to love yourself and embrace yourself in those moments to understand that it was just a moment in time and you can move forward. It's almost like that lovely little saying of all is well, and it's really quite that simple. See, life isn't hard. People make life hard. (laughs) Yes, yes. it, it, it is a very simple process, and uh, we complicate it by prejudices and judgments and 
ideological behaviour and um, generational biasms. It's the construct of what we are supposed to be instead of who you can be or who you actually are. Mm. Now, Adam, you sound like you're spending three hours a day meditating, but I know that's not true, is it? Uh, no, not not in the traditional sense, but meditation, and it's not something that I've practised uh, myself, but really meditation is each moment. Each moment that you have a thought to yourself or time to process what has been going on for me is a meditative state. You also have an ability to not kind of get caught up in time drama, do you? I feel like this goes hand in hand with your gift of being very present. Is time an illusion to you? Time is endless. So how can you measure anything that is endless or totally abundant, that is infinite? Time is just moments, particles and waves that... uh, we either sit in, move through, or are forever chasing. Uh, and it depends on the perspective or your point of relativity for for time. So you sitting in time rather than moving through or chasing it is perhaps part of the key to your ability to be able to stay focused in the here and the now and being 100% present. Would that be right? For me, for, for me that works. For me, that works. There, obviously, we are bound by certain constrictions in time, picking the kids up from school at at, at X o'clock or um, being at this appointment or having to be at work at this time and finishing at this time, but they are all, it is all relative to a situation. And that also reminds me of something that uh, I believe Beyond Blue also found in this same survey of men is that... It's an internal illusion that men have that it's not cool or not acceptable to speak up. And yet in this survey, it was very clear that men speak, that when men are speaking out about their own situations, other men rank them very, very highly for having done so. So it's like the bro code is actually saying, Quietly, they're saying, men who speak up, I really admire. Honesty to self, for me, as a gambling addict as well, um, who has done rehab rehab for that particular uh, addiction, along with uh, numerous others, honesty to self is the greatest weight-lifting experience that you can potentially have, that I could potentially have. When circumstances are, when, oh, we're going to the pub or we're having a bet, and I just go, no, I can't, I'm a gambling addict. The, the, the freedom to be able to express my truth in those circumstances is awesome because it's just laying it out there straight away. And to be able to do that on an emotional level, I can see why the Beyond Blue survey has has recognised that or, or men who have done that survey have acknowledged that, that other people are literally 
just speaking their truth, saying, I, I have hurt. I have been in pain. I have struggled with anxiety. I have struggled with depression. I am not going so well at work. The honesty in that moment for me is the the lifting of the weight off the shoulders because that is the point where you are starting to be truthful to yourself and everything then is on the line and open and for everybody to see that opportunities and healing can present itself. Honesty, wow, it is that, isn't it? It's being real with yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And it's to, to be able to lay things out there honestly, you are exposing yourself in a way that, as a male, that society, we, that I don't feel society fully accepts yet. But as more and more individual men do that, the group effect, the, the momentum that that will gain will be unstoppable. And to move forward over the – it's taken centuries upon centuries of time to have us in this point. So to undo it, it will take a, an immense amount of time as well. But to be able to be honest in each and every situation – that deems it to be necessary with yourself is yeah it, I, I it's the stepping stepping stones for the future it's the exact reason that i'm so excited to have this conversation with you today and exactly why i wanted to do this particular podcast so adam you talked about having addictions how hard was it for you to get honest about that initially oh in in Intensely. <laughs> you were fighting yeah. it every inch of the way, denial, denial, oh, denial. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my wife actually booked me in for, we went and saw the rehab coordinator, I suppose, the facility. Uh, I filled in uh, an abundance of questionnaires, still living in Egypt, living in denial. The very next day I, uh, after that I, I went down, well, it was pokies that day, and um, I actually said, oh, I'll, I'll prove them wrong, I can c- control this. And uh, I took out $100 or whatever, I said, I'll put that in and then that'll be done. And when I'm done, I'll just walk away. And it was about two hours and $2,000 later that I've gone, okay, that's it. Right. And that was the That was the point at which the epiphany happened. Um, so you had to test yourself, really. Because you were in denial, you were testing yourself going, no, see, I can do this. And you probably in that moment fully did expect to walk out when 100 bucks was done. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, two hours, two, $2,000 later, and no, well, no, I can't. So I, I quit my job and went into rehab, I think, on the Monday. How hard was it going into rehab? Uh... Was that a relief? Was that part of, you know, that we were talking about get honest with yourself? Was there a bit of relief of, okay, I'm getting the help I need, or was it No, it was still a circumstance where I was challenging the belief systems of my own addiction. 
that I was still able to control and be empowered by doing these things and it wasn't uh, it was absolutely just a, just a lie um to be under the false impression that we are in control of anything um and that's why I reference being present in each moment because we cannot control I can't control my addictions um I can't control what I may or may not do in the future I can't control what I've done in the past. I can only be present and try and make the best choices in the present moment that I can. And when I came to that realisation, and I think it probably would have been about week five into rehab, that's acknowledging that I had control over nothing was the the lifting of of that weight of the shoulders beautiful and did you find that from that point forward you were therefore able to more stop with fear around controlling of anything and surrender into it is what it is absolutely absolutely did you also Get, was that also around the same time that you became aware of how you react to things? Is your choice? Absolutely. And not only react to things but deliver information just because I believe I have the information that may be able to help somebody, that I have this cup full of knowledge from my own personal experiences doesn't mean that other people are drinking the same drink that I'm drinking. They may not have the same cup. Their cup may be filled with a different a different level of knowledge. It may be overflowing. Um, and as as we mentioned, as I mentioned before, um, that just because I believe somebody else may be experiencing something that I have had a similar experience before, that those situations are at two opposite ends of the spectrum whether that be an individual is depressed and i've i've experienced depression or i've experienced hurt and this individual's experienced hurt it means it doesn't mean that those feelings are being processed or felt in the same way and that's why i believe it's not important not it is super important not to offer your own remedies, immediate remedies for how another man is feeling because they are processing and feeling things in a different way. Did you find that moving into the rehab arena, it was a weight lifted off your shoulders knowing that there were, though, people there that supported you, that listened that offered guidance if you asked for it, etc. Because I'm just thinking that I know when I went, the very first time I ever went to a psychologist, and I think I was probably late 20s, and it was when I realised I couldn't give up cigarettes. And I thought, I can give those up any time I want. I just don't want to right now. And then I tried. And it's probably a bit like your $100 in the pokey machines. And a few years later, I'm thinking, I actually can't do this. And I went to a psychologist. Now, 
didn't help me stop smoking. But I do remember walking out of her room and thinking, oh my gosh, I never have to handle a problem by myself ever again. That is so cool. I can book in and pay somebody some money and they will share the burden or help me however it is I wish to be helped. I just remember, even if the problem's not solved, it was just very comforting to have another to listen and understand. Did you find that as part of the rehab experience? What I what I found and what I find super important is the way that we process information as people. Some people are sight, some people are touch, some people are verbal, the the whole kinesthetics around the taking in of knowledge, of an experience varies from person to person. And that in part, and in reflection on that too, the imparting of information for people, expressing themselves verbally um, to a psychologist, a counsellor, is a very healthy exercise for some to to go down that path. Others, it can be writing that information down and as a means of letting go. It's not only the way that we process knowledge and information and pain and hurt, it's also the whole spectrum of how we can dispel or ease that burden with a collection of other people, whether it be counsellors, psychologists, friends, family, um, that there is a vast array of mechanisms that we as people, I as an individual can use because to, to, to ease that load. Um, and it's not defined just to one area. It is whatever works for you. It may be, as I said, writing things down, burning them to let them go. Um, it could be leaving notes for yourself as triggers, as reminders to to the place that you want to get, setting yourself an intention for the when we slip back and forth in, into certain emotional states. Uh, so... Yes, the ability to share that load with others can be something that is super beneficial for some and um, also burdensome burdensome for others. So as an individual, uh, I just encourage each man to keep all their options on the table to work out what is, is right for them. And just because it isn't fitting at this point in time, Keep that option open because in two months, two years, ten years, that may be an option that you are willing to undertake. Adam, I think that's a beautiful way to to end the podcast. Do you have any final words that you'd like to share? I would just like to say thank you very much, Miss Jane, for giving me the opportunity to hopefully speak more about myself than, than others and circumstance and that I believe we are on the right track. And the sooner we can start teaching and educating in a healthy format emotional intelligence and real life skills to the younger generations, 
the better equipped that they will be moving forward to make us a more conscious and present society. Before we can talk, we cry. It's how we survive. So why do we tell boys to stop crying? To harden up? To grow a pair? Well, fuck that. If you feel down, speak up. Because silence can kill. It takes guts to show pain. It takes a man to feel. It takes balls to cry. And that is the audio from the Man Up advertising campaign. If you or someone you love needs help, check out the resources at manup.org.au, beyondblue.org.au or lifeline.org.au. And until next week, be bold, speak up, and share your love for each other. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening. And it's a beautiful day.